I'd ask you to open your Bibles with us this morning. We're going to be in the fifth chapter of the book of Acts as we continue our study of the, of the early church, the first church that was formed outside of Jerusalem in the first century. And last week we looked at this church and we looked at their fellowship. This morning we're going to dive in and we're going to look at everyone individually and what has gone on in their lives and in their hearts individually. We know that this church operated both corporately, but this morning we're going to look at what each individual church member needed to do to become a, 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 a member of this community that, that not only would thrive and not only allowed this church to grow, but what it would take for each individual member to grow. This morning we're in Acts chapter 5 as we're studying verses 27 through 32 in a message that I've titled, How to Follow Jesus. This early, early church, it shows us many qualities and many attributes that we're able to incorporate into our own life, incorporate into our own church, but we're able to see how this early church was able to devote themselves not only to each other, but to the church itself, but what it is that it takes to become a true follower of Jesus. We saw that this church was devoted to their fellowship. We also saw that this church was devoted to serving one another, but we're seeing this morning their deep devotion to following Jesus. What does it take to be deeply devoted to following Jesus? We saw fellowship as corporate and, and serving as corporate. It's something that the church can do together, but we're going to look at individuality. What each individual person does to come under the lordship of Jesus. It's the backbone of our faith. It's the backbone of our spirituality. It's our faith individually that is based on obedience. I think it would make sense to say that if we call ourselves Christians, if we say we're here to follow Jesus, then we must be obedient to the words of Jesus. We must be obedient to his teachings. And see, in our modern day culture, we're we're thrust up against a wall that says, you can just take whatever parts of the Bible's teaching that you want to. And you can obey some if you want to. And others, if you're not comfortable with it, it's okay. Just pick and choose. Our faith in Jesus was never and is never open to interpretation. We don't get to choose what parts of the Bible that we, that we want to follow and what parts of the Bible that, that we feel that, you know what, we're, we're all right just letting that go by the wayside. We're okay just stepping aside from that. Our faith being based on obedience is based on being obedient to everything that Jesus has commanded of us. The apostles in their day and age, in the, the, the context of the very first church, give us an amazing example of this. And we see how their dedication and their devotion to their obedience 
became part of their culture and part of their walk with Christ. So I want you to open your Bibles. We're in Acts chapter 5, and we are in verse number 27. We're going to be in verse number 27, but let me tell you some of the story leading into this. So some of the apostles had actually been thrown into prison because the religious leaders of the day had heard them teaching about Jesus and they were getting very frustrated that the apostles were teaching about Jesus. And so they threw some of the apostles into prison. They had planned on having a court hearing the very next day. And the high priests had sent the guards to bring the apostles out of jail and bring them into court. But overnight, an angel of the Lord had appeared at the jail, had opened up the doors, and had given the apostles an instruction. The angel said, I want you to go, leave this prison now, and go into the temple and to start teaching people about Jesus. So that's what the apostles did. The next morning, the guards show up at the jail to get the apostles, and they're not there. The door is wide open, but where they find the apostles is in the temple teaching about Jesus, something that they were told not to do. And now they're doing that. I want you to come with me, and let's pick up the action. We're in Acts chapter 5, starting out in verse number 27. Luke writes this, he says, then they brought the apostles before the high council where the high priest confronted them and said, We gave you strict orders never to teach in this man's name. Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want us to be responsible for his death? But Peter and the apostles replied this, We must obey God rather than human authority. What the disciples were saying to the leaders of the church at this time, is that now Jesus holds the privilege of being the authoritative power in the lives of Christians. It's not the authoritative power of, of the religious leaders. It's not the power of the church. It is Jesus who has the authoritative power. Now, I want to make something very clear this morning. What they're not saying is this. They are not saying that we're not going to live under any authority of the government. They're saying Christ is our ultimate authority. I know some people in our culture right now in today's day and age are struggling with coronavirus and are struggling with the quarantine that we're under. And there are even some people who are saying, you know, Christ is my ultimate authority, and government, I'm following Jesus right now. And so, maybe I don't have to, I answer to a higher authority. And so I don't really have to answer to you. And I'm going to say right now, as your pastor, as a pastor, it's very dangerous to do that. We were also, one of the commands that Jesus has given us and that the scriptures give us is that we need to respect our authority, that we need to understand that those in authority are put over us for a reason. And it would be foolishness not to obey those in authority right now. 
but we do have a higher power. What it means to us as Christians is to understand that those in authority have been put there by a higher power. The apostles are simply telling those at the church that we recognize that Jesus and his authority is even above yours. That we're going to spread his name. We are going to continue preaching in his name no matter what the situation is. We're still going to submit to our government authority. It would be foolish of us not to do so right now. As believers, we understand that Christ's authority is over everything. I want you to write this down. This is point number one in your notes this morning. For those of you joining us for the first time, you'll recognize that in your bulletin, there's some fill in the blanks, and I'm going to give you the answer to those fill in the blanks right now. And you can find your, your notes on our website on parisvalleycc.com about halfway down the page, right under the connection card that David talked about earlier. You can find this morning's sermon notes right there, or you should find them also in the comments section on Facebook Live right now. So you can print those out, or you can just find those and, and keep up with your sermon notes. Sermon, uh, point number one in your notes this morning is this. A commitment to biblical obedience is the pledge that every believer makes when they come to follow Jesus. We come to Christ giving him the authority to have authority in our lives. See, when Jesus gave the apostles instructions in the Great Commission to go to Jerusalem, to go to Samaria, to go to, to Galilee, and, 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 and to go reach all of the corners of the world with the gospel, he did not give them the authority to change those commandments. He didn't give them the authority to choose what cities that they were going to go to and to spread the good news. He gave them a commandment that has no variance, that has no opportunity to be changed by their own behavior, to be changed by their own thoughts, to be changed when they feel like it. They had no chance of changing that authority to say, you know what, they're going to go to Jerusalem and maybe a couple of towns nearby, and that's it. They're not going to go any further. No, he gave them a command to spread the good news all over the world, and there is no opportunity to change Christ's authority or his direction. Some people say, well, pastor, I... There's some parts of Jesus' authority and his instructions that I can buy into. I'm really good with the, you know, maybe love one another part. I can love other people. But when it comes to pieces like forgiving people who have wronged me, I, I, I really struggle with that. Or maybe it's, maybe it's lifestyle. You say, Pastor, you know what, I can... I can dig this whole kind of open your Bible and pray every now and then thing, but I'm going to hold on to my own lifestyle. I'm going to pave my own path because, you know, that's who I am. I'll tell you, the Bible does not give us 
the authority to choose which pieces of Jesus' instructions we're going to choose to follow and what we aren't. Jesus has so many instructions for us. You know what those instructions are? And you know why they are there? They're actually there to protect us. And when we choose not to follow the guidance that Jesus has in our life, then we find things in our life that are going to fall apart. If we're going to choose to manage our marriages by our own or by worldly direction for our marriages, it's going to fall apart. We are given biblical direction for our marriages so that we can follow and be successful, so that we can follow and, and keep our marriages under biblical principles. But see, when we, when, we don't, when we don't follow those, those are when things start falling apart. I want you to see what the Apostle John says in John chapter 14, verse number 15. He simply says this, If you love me, obey my commandments. Jesus doesn't say, If you love me, some kind of obey what you want to. No, he says, If you love me, Obey my commandments. That's it. It's, it's deep because his commandments are deep. Some people say, yeah, I get the love your neighbor part, and I can do that, but I can't do the loving people who have wronged me. Pastor, I, I hold on to so much resentment, and, and I... I'm okay. Like, I deserve to have the opportunity to, to be frustrated with somebody else. I deserve the opportunity to be able to withhold my love for somebody who has wronged me. See, that's what happens when we are telling Jesus what parts of his commandments that we are going to follow and which ones we aren't. And we are not given that opportunity to have that authority. We are told, if you love me, obey my commandments. In the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse number 44, Matthew writes this. He's quoting Jesus. He says, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. See, Jesus does not give us an opportunity to obey halfway. He gives us a commandment to obey his commandments. You say, well, pastor, why do I have to love my enemies? And, and, and the answer is simple and it's blunt. It's because Jesus told you to. That's why. Because we are told to love our enemies. We are told to follow in his commandments. We, as followers of Christ, are going to have to do things that are hard. We're going to have to do things that are different. We're going to have to live a life that is contrary to the life that we want to live, that our own nature wants to live. If you're going to follow Jesus, that means that you are giving up your own authority to have your own personal authority. Some of you may have served in the military in the past, or some of you might know somebody who served in the military in the past. And if you have a relationship with the military, you know that 
the military is based on a system. It's built off of a system of obedience. The admiral and the captain and the corporal and the lieutenants and the sergeants, everyone has what we call a chain of command. And no matter where you are in the chain of command, you, have, you might have people under you, but you might have people above you as well. And you're responsible for the people who are under you, but you're also responsible to the people who are above you. And you do not have a choice. You don't have a choice which commands of those above you you are going to follow and which ones you are not going to follow. See, those rules are there for a reason. They're there to keep you safe. They are there for the betterment of the entire culture of the military so that the entire group can move together. There are rules that the government and the military has put in place so that everyone isn't just doing whatever they want so that we all follow the same path. See, Christ has given us rules to follow in obedience. The neat thing about our military training, if you are somebody who has spent time in the military, is that when you come aboard, when you first sign up, when you come and you get your uniform, there's an understanding that you don't know everything that you're supposed to do. You don't know how to do your job correctly yet. But see, the one thing that the military provides and the one thing that Christ provides is assistance in training. See, assistance and training is actually built into our biblical obedience. It's there for you and I. We're not, there's, there's not this understanding that we're going to automatically know how to be wonderful and perfect followers of Jesus. There is obedience training that is built into the system. I want you to write this down. It's point number two in your notes this morning is this. If it is God's plan, he will pave the way if we are obedient. You see, if God has gone ahead of us, and if he has written out the directions for our lives, if he has written out rules for our lives, if he has given us commands then he is going to pave our way ahead of us if we are obedient. Would it be fair to say that God is not going to pave our path if we are disobedient? He has a plan for us. He has a direction for us, but it requires obedience to his plan. In the book of Matthew, in chapter 7, verse number 7, Jesus says this, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. He is not going to open a door for disobedience. If you are seeking privileges of disobedience, if you are seeking to find things that are outside God's plan, you can keep knocking. He's not going to provide it. He is providing for you the direction that he wants you to go. He is providing blessings that come with 
finding the path that he has put you on. In your bulletin this morning, you're going to find over 50 commands that Jesus has given us. It's in the bulletin that's on the website. It's also in your notes right now on Facebook Live. Jesus has given us commands like, forgive others. He's given us commands like, don't worry. He's given us commands like getting away from whatever it is that, that, that leads you to sin. There's commands like do not lust over somebody that you're not married to. Like exercise spiritual authority. He's given us commands like acknowledging Jesus before others. These are all commands. And you'll find online that there's a list of over 50 commands. And there's many more in the New Testament that we found that Jesus has given to us. And he's given these commands to us for a reason. We talked earlier, it's for protection of our lives and our spiritual lives. I want you to imagine your first day on a brand new job. You have experience maybe in whatever field. Let's, let's say you're an accountant and you've taken a brand new job at a new company as an accountant, you would expect that when you walk in the first day, you might not know everything there is to know about this new company. But when you get there, you have an expectation that they are going to provide you with maybe a calculator, maybe a desk, maybe a computer, maybe a place to, to do your work. See, when we come to Jesus, when we follow Christ, there are so many tools that he is going to provide for us so that we could properly follow him if we're obedient. See, if you show up at your first day of work as an accountant, but you brought all of the tools to be a mechanic, something's not going to work right. If you're coming to follow Christ, but you're bringing tools from your past life, something is not going to work right. Christ is going to provide you the tools to properly follow Him so that you can go where He wants you to go. So you can go where our Christian life is going to lead you. I want to give you an example of a skill that you might not know very well before you come to Christ, but a skill that God gives us training in. I want you to look at the idea of, let's look at the idea of the tithe, of tithing and giving. Would it be fair to say that before you were a believer in Jesus, that really there was no sense in tithing? Tithing literally means 10%, to give 10%, your first 10% to God. Before you came to Christ, it's not a skill that there is any notion of caring about at all. Now we're a follower of Christ. What does that mean? That means that we're to follow all of his commandments. I want you to see what he says in Matthew chapter 22, verse number 19. He is, he, he's just been questioned by some religious leaders and they've, they've, they have, they've asked him if we, Christians, if followers of his followers if people should be actually giving money to Caesar. And I want you to see what he says. Jesus says, here, show me the coin used for the tax. 
And when they handed him a Roman coin, he asked, whose picture and title are stamped on it? And they said, Caesar's. He says, well then, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. So you say, okay, he's talking to them about giving money, paying their taxes, but giving money to God what belongs to God. In their culture, they would give of their first fruits. They would give their first 10% to the church, to God. You say, well, what does that mean to us? Well, I want you to see that God has gone into his tool shed, and now when you're following Christ, he's giving you the tools to properly follow in obedience. What tool did God provide? He has still provided to you and I the first fruits. What, what, what does that mean? That means the first fruits of your harvest going to God. We are always going to have the firsts. We're always going to have the first 10% that we could give to God. So not only did he give us a command, but he gave us the tools to do it. He says, here's your command to give to God, but I want you to give of your first fruits, not your last. I don't want you to give your leftovers because let's face it, sometimes you might not have anything left over. I want you to give of your first fruits. There's so many other areas of our Christian walk where God gives us a command, but he also gives us the tools to walk that command out. When he tells us to go to every nation and to tell everyone about Jesus, he gives us the tools to do that. He's given you, even in our quarantine, an opportunity. You're all watching right now online somehow. And I know that you're inside your home, or maybe you're watching this on your phone. But that same phone, you can turn around this camera, and you can talk to somebody else about Jesus. See, we're not restricted. We are told to tell others about Jesus, and we're given the tools to be able to do so. Every command that Jesus has given you, he has also given you a tool to walk it out. And there's an understanding that you didn't come to Christ with those tools. That this new job, this new walk, this new life in Christ, not only comes with direction, it comes with commands, but it comes with the tools to walk these out. They are all there for you. You say, where, where are these tools? These the, the tools of faith. How do I strengthen my faith? Well, we strengthen our faith by being deeper in our word, into learning who it is that we're following. Would it be fair to say the more we know about Jesus, the more that we trust Jesus, the more that we love Jesus, the more we can recognize the, the blessings that he's given to us. We've been given a command to love. How do we love people who have wronged us? Maybe we do this by recognizing the grace that God has given us and being able to turn around and give that same grace to others. See, if Jesus is an amazing example of grace given to us, we don't deserve the salvation that he has provided for us. Just like you and I, sometimes in our life, we might be sitting back saying, you know what, this person who has wronged me, they don't deserve for me to even call them anymore. They don't deserve for me to love them anymore because they've wronged me. 
But see, Christ has given us the tools to love them by giving us an example of the way he loves us. Because the wages of our sin is death. We don't deserve the grace that he has given us. Just like somebody else, we might sit back and say, they don't deserve for me to. But we can look at Jesus' example and say, well, Jesus did this for us. So there's the tool, his example, his grace. There was a woman once who was a missionary in a foreign land, and she had been in this country for many years. She'd been there for quite a while, and the kids in her neighborhood, they knew her, and they knew that they could come to her house at any time, and she was going to teach them. And she was on a first-name basis with so many of the kids in the neighborhood. There's one day that one of the boys was running towards her home, and, and she yelled out at him. She said, don't come up the back porch. What she knew is that she had just recently painted her back porch. And she knew that this little boy would really mess up her brand new paint on the rails of the steps leading up to her home. And he says, don't worry, I'll be careful. And she yelled at him again, don't come up the back porch, go around to the front. And he says, it's okay, I've got this. And she yelled very sternly, I don't want you to come up the back porch. I don't want your carefulness. I want your obedience. See, Jesus doesn't want us to take his commands and be careful with them. He wants us to take his commands and be obedient with them. He doesn't give us a chance to take his commands and just work them carefully into our culture, work them carefully into our lives. He wants our pure obedience. See, once we take his commands and then we add our culture into it, now we've twisted it. He wants our full attention to his commands. Is that going to make our life different than the way it is right now? Absolutely. I want you to see this. Point number three in your notes this morning is this. Following Jesus in obedience will require sacrifice. You're going to have to give something up. If you're going to be a true follower of Jesus, and if you're going to continue to grow in your faith, something is going to give. You cannot live in the world and grow in our world at the same time that you are growing in your life with Christ. Something has to give. You're going to sacrifice something. It might be your pride. You might sacrifice your possessions. You might be giving up habits. You might sacrifice your selfishness. Something is going to give. In the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse number 19, Jesus says this, Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store up your treasures in heaven, where moths and rusts cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. What this does not say is where the desires of your heart is, your treasures are. He says, no, where is your treasure? Then we can find your heart there. 
something is not going to be the same. When you start following Jesus, when you start become more obedient to his word, there will be a change. And that's actually a good thing. I, I hope that if you're somebody who has grown in your faith, but you look ahead and you see there's so much room in my faith to continue to grow, I hope that you look at that with hope. And you say, I'm going to be so much closer to Christ in the future than I am right now because I'm going to let go of so much of this world. See, we can't serve two masters, can we? This is what he really is talking about here is we can't serve who we are, who we want to be, and who Jesus wants us to be at the same time. We can't serve, we can't be who the world wants us to be at the same time we're trying and growing to be who God wants us to be. We can't serve a worldly master who tells us that it's okay to be selfish and also serve Jesus who wants us to be selfless. See, there's... Two different pulls on your heart right now. Who are you going to give into? Are you going to give into the world and walk the way that the world wants you to walk? Or are you going to walk by the commands of Jesus, who not only commands you, but gives you the tools to fulfill his commands? Jesus says this in Luke chapter 9, verse number 23. Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower... You must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what is a benefit if you gain the whole world, but you yourself are lost or destroyed? Wow, what a powerful question. What do you gain If you're going to lose your life, you gain the entire world. You gain all of the possessions. You gain all of the luxuries, but you lose your soul. What have you really gained? Nothing. You've actually lost. See, in order for us as Christians to grow deeper in our faith and to grow deeper in our devotion to obedience, something has got to change. We can't hold on to resentment for other people and still love our enemies. We can't hold on to our pride and our ego and still show Jesus to other people. We we can't hold on to the financial resources that we've been given and, and and hoard them for ourselves and still obey the commandment to give God what is God's. We can't love Jesus all the way when we're only willing to be obedient to Jesus halfway. See, we're not asked to come to Jesus some. He never asks us to pick up our cross only on Thursdays and come to him. He doesn't tell us to just pick up your cross between 10 a.m. and 11.30 on Sundays and come to me. And then you can put it down after church and go back to the world for the rest of the week. That's not the command. The command is, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross daily. Did you see that? Take it up daily and follow me. 
I think we can go as far as to say that Jesus says, once you pick up your cross, never put it down. Follow me. Pick it up. Follow me. Obedience is not always something that we're born with. But it is something that can be learned. I want to go back to the military example that we talked about earlier. When you show up on day one, you have no clue what you're going to be doing. You're probably not very skilled at what you're going to be doing. But somebody is going to teach you, and you're going to learn. The final point in your notes this morning is this. Following Jesus in obedience takes practice. In order to practice a new skill, you have to spend time and dedication to your new skill. Not only is Jesus giving you commands, not only is he giving you direction and he's giving you the tools, but you have to spend time in it. I want you to remember that time where you brought home a puppy. Those first couple of nights that 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 new puppy just barks all night long. Those are long nights. But I know eventually what you did is you took your puppy and you went down there to the PetSmart, right? To the pet store, and they've got this class. And you show up with your puppy, and you go to class, and after about six weeks, you know something about your puppy, and your puppy knows something about you. And after about 12 weeks, you get a certificate. And what has happened now is this puppy that would run all over the place. Now you've learned that you can go outside and you could walk down the street and that dog is going to stand right there by your side. He's going to walk next to you. You know what this obedience training has done? It's done something for both of you. Your puppy now understands who you are and sees the commands and can follow the commands. You know what that has done? That has opened up a brand new world of communication. Now you are able to keep your puppy safe because you have commands and you have direction, right? You now have this connection. You have this relationship because you've trained together. See, Jesus gives us the commands, he gives us the tools, he gives us what we need to learn, and he gives us the grace to actually spend time learning, to spend time coming closer to him, to understand what it is that he wants from us. It's understandable that we're not going to be 100% successful every single time that we're trying to be obedient. That's where grace comes in. Yes, there's grace. Yes, there is acceptance for our failures, but it's, it's our job to still try. It's our job to practice. It's our job to even come and pray for help. The Bible says, if, if any of you lacks wisdom, come and pray for it. Ask God for it, and he gives liberally. Just pray and ask, God, I really need help in this area. I'm struggling with forgiveness right now. Can you help me through this? Yeah, he can. Prayer and asking for the tools that he has is part of us growing. It's our job to measure our success, to measure how well we're doing. How do we know how much closer we have come to Christ than we were six months ago? Well, we, we know that 
Because we can look at our walk and we can say, look, we're not, pa- we're not paving our own path anymore. We're following God's direction for our lives. It's our job to grow. It's our job to change for Christ instead of trying to change Christ to us. See, we don't get to dictate what parts of the Bible that we want to obey and which ones we don't. When we do that, what we have done is we have distorted the Bible. We have brought our sinfulness into God's Word. What we've done then is we've told God what we're going to obey and what we're not. See, that's not our position. That's not up to us. You can't truly follow Jesus halfway. Finally, in the book of Matthew, chapter 11, Jesus says this. He says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. See, us coming to Jesus and asking Him for help, asking Him for direction, it's not a failure. It's a gift. We're not walking to him. We're not coming to him saying, will you see my failures? I can't do this. It's not an area that that you need to feel that you're failing to do this yourselves. You are going to fail to do this yourselves, and that's okay. Christ gives us a way, and he invites us to come to him and to take his yoke. Because his burden is light. See, if we try and do this on our own, we're trying to get to a place that God created for us without using the tools that God has provided for us. It's going to be so hard. As a matter of fact, it's absolutely impossible. You're not going to get to the place that God has directed you to go without using the tools that God has given you to get there. His tools and His direction are inside the Bible. Are we asking Him for help? See, as a church, we can come together corporately and we can help each other. And I pray that you are. I pray that you are calling one another this week. I pray that you are turning your camera around and and talking to people in your life who need to need that encouragement that you have, that you can encourage them in their walk with Christ. But I ask for you to look inside and say, how can I help somebody in their obedience to God's word? Where am I in my obedience to God's word? Where do I need help? Where do I need to be praying for guidance, for obedience? See, if we all come to church, and now we all come to church online where we don't get a chance to see each other personally, and if we're just here watching a video for an hour, hour and a half, and we go back and we have no accountability to each other, and we give up on our obedience to God's word, we're going to slip. 
and I don't want you to slip. I don't want you to fall away. I want you to help in, in grabbing our, our friends and our, and our relatives and our brothers and sisters in Christ and pulling them back in and making sure that nobody is slipping away. Because we all need to be obedient to the Word of God. He gives us the tools to be obedient. And I pray that you are reaching out to others, asking them, what is it that you need? What is it that I could be praying for you about? What part of obedience are you struggling with right now? Where can we be going back into the Word of God and asking Him for direction? Because He has the tools for you. He has the tools for all of us. This week I'm going to ask and I'm going to challenge you to continue to reach out to others in our church and others in your life. I know that there are some people watching today who have never been to Paris Valley Community Church in person. I would pray that you would join us online every Sunday because from here on out, we're always going to be broadcasting on Sunday. You are a part of our church from no matter where you're at. I would ask for you to go to our website at parisvalleycc.com and find the Connect card. And inside our online Connect card, you'll see a spot for prayer requests. How can we be praying for you? Where is it in your walk coming to Christ, coming closer to Christ? Where is it that you're struggling with obedience? What can we help you with? Somebody in this church wants to pray for you, wants to walk with you. And I want you to know something, and this is so important. This church is not full of people with halos. We are a hospital for souls. I didn't fly in here with my super cool angel wings and adjust my halo when I got here. Nobody did. We are all growing together. And we are all growing to follow Christ fully, not halfway, not once a week, not every other day, picking up our cross every single day.